Let's pray together. Father, it's a delight to come before you this morning. And we are asking, O oh God, that you help us to comprehend what is the height and the depth and the breadth of your glorious love, your glorious goodness. Lord, we trust you and we trust your spirit this morning to lead us to truth and to renew our minds, to make them new as to what is true and right in your eyes. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are a people that love to communicate. This week, the top apps of 2022 came out. The rankings. Let's see if any of you can guess. Any of the top downloaded, I should say, top downloaded apps of 2022 on smartphones. Now, I know, Dennis, a little bit out of your realm, but on a smartphone, what are the top downloaded applications? I will tell you that Number one app is an app called TikTok. Number two, Instagram. Number three, Facebook. Number four, WhatsApp. Number five, I never even heard of, Shopee. I don't know what that one is. I guess I don't shop enough. Number six, Telegram. Number seven. Snapchat. Number eight. Facebook Messenger. Number nine. CapCut. I've never heard of that one, but that's apparently from TikTok. And number ten. Spotify. Now, if you look at that list, what you see is that about 80% of those are communication apps. Maybe even all of them, you could consider them communication apps. And here's what I see, what I think when I see a list like this. People love to communicate. In fact, my daughter graduated yesterday, and as she walked across the stage, um, we did a fun little dance when she received her diploma. And before we left the building, I had a church member who was not at that ceremony send me a video of that fun little dance. People love to communicate. Smartphones, computers, text messaging, WhatsApp, iMessage, Facebook, whatever it may be, we love to communicate. Here's the question that I have for us this morning. Do we love to communicate with God? Do we love to communicate with God? Because cell phones have proven we love to communicate. The question for you that I have, the question for the church that I have is, do we love to communicate with God? 
If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open to 1 John chapter 5, where Colby read for us this morning. Thank you, sir. While you're turning there, I'm going to read to you our verse of the year. Uh, we are celebrating uh, togetherness in 2022, being together. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is what? God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But if we say we have koinonia, fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We do not practice the truth. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have koinonia with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. May we continue our fellowship in 2022. And I invite you tonight to have just that fellowship. Tonight, 6 o'clock, uh, we're going to be celebrating and uh, in honor of Rob wherever he is, uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. So I invite you to be here for that going away party for us, Rob. Do you love to communicate with God? Last week we began, uh, and, and really I didn't finish. Craig can tell you I didn't finish last week uh, because I had a whole list of scriptures I just didn't make it to, and uh, we're going to get there this week. Last week, verse 13 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. And last week, we spent the real bulk of our time is going back through the book and reviewing, do you know that you have eternal life? Are you living out the Christian life? And we went through nine tests, uh, and tests that John gave us, not that I gave you, but tests that John gave you of are you really redeemed? Are you born again? Is the evidence of the work of God's Spirit in you actually doing something with your life? And even I had a conversation this morning. Christianity is more than just believing that there's a God and, and there's evidence of that in our lives. Do you see that evidence? Do the ones you love see that evidence? And can we communicate with them? Now, the other thought with that was, was this, people with eternal life, and, and if you're a believer, you know what that means. If you have eternal life, if the Spirit of God has welled up within you, has converted you so that you're living a different style life, that your thoughts and affections, your attention is on new things than it was before you committed your life to the Lord Jesus, before you believed, repented of your sin, confessed to him and came to say, Jesus, I am committing myself in a marriage to you to follow you. If you have done that and you are a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been baptized, you've, you've committed yourself to Jesus to be a Christian, then your thoughts and your attention is going to be different than someone who has not done that. Now, you may still have things in common with people who are not Christian, but your great concerns and your great desires are going to be, wow, you walk in the room, look what happens. Welcome, Abby. You are electric. You good. All right, well, we're going to continue the best we can. All right. 
I'll holler till it comes back on. Well, I'm going to keep going. If you are a Christian, your thoughts are going to be different, and you're, you're thinking in a different realm, I should say. A Christian thinks in a spiritual realm. He's been born to a, in a spiritual way, so his thoughts and his direction is in the spiritual world. With that said, our hope is in eternal life. It is in a, in a different realm than just living 70 years and hoping we can accomplish the best we can in 70 years. That is what the Christian thinks. He's thinking a thousand, ten thousand years from now, what matters? And we as brothers and sisters are thinking in that manner. With that said, if we are thinking a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand years from now, then something has to be different about our lives and our time. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. I know I have eternal life and therefore I'm not going to bank all of my resources in the next 70 years alone. I want to bank them by pouring into faces that I'm looking at right now. That in a thousand years, you will be at the throne of God. You'll be walking new heaven, new earth. You'll be celebrating whatever you're doing in God's new world. The things in the next 40 years of my life are not going to matter as much. Eternal life calls for eternal things in this life. Now, Christian, I ask you, are y'all still with me? Are y'all processing this with me? If I know I have eternal life, my now life, my worldly life is going to look differently. And that means that I, I must be focused on eternal things and eternal things are not affected by anything so much as it's affected by prayer communication with God now I will argue that if any of those apps that I've listed earlier in the service if any of those apps are of more priority to you than prayer you have work to do you have work to do. People love to communicate, but oftentimes we get distracted in communicating with the wrong things or the things that aren't going to matter so long. So we get to verse 14 in 1 John chapter 5, and John says this. And this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What did I just say? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now let me give you a little illustration. There are times in my house when I say things like, guys, you need to clean up the tent in the backyard. On Friday. And on Sunday morning... When the tent is filled with water because it rained all day Saturday and sleeping bags are soaking wet, it, 
it, it becomes a problem. Now imagine if Friday I had said, I'm taking y'all to Chick-fil-A for supper. Imagine the response I would get out of that one rather than the response I would get out of, it's time to clean up the tent. Well, on a Sunday morning, um, you can imagine that response because the tent is soaking wet with sleeping bags in it. But guess what would have happened if I said, let's go get some chicken nuggets, french fries, and milkshakes. Milkshakes. The listening would have been a lot better. Now, I use that as an illustration to say this. Sometimes that selective hearing, and husbands, we're good at this sometimes too. We hear some things that we want to hear and we take advantage or we act on things that we want to act on. But that's not the way that God is. Let me read that verse 14 for you again. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He hears us. Are you listening to me? You ever want to say that? Are you listening? Well, the answer with God is maybe. Because look, look at what the scripture says. As Christians, if we have eternal life, we have confidence, right? What is the confidence? And there's an if in that verse, isn't there? And what does if mean? This is conditional, right? Maybe it should be something like, if you clean up the tent, I'll take you to Chick-fil-A. If you ask according to my will... Or according to his will, he hears us. And this is a great, great blessing for Christians to understand. If you are not in Christ, the Bible says that God does not hear your prayers. We can ask God for things all we want. If we are not committed to Jesus, if we are not a Christian, a believer, then God does not hear our prayers. That's contrary to popular belief in, in our culture, for sure. If we ask according to his will, he hears us. So Christian, take great confidence in this. If you are acting in accordance to God's will, then he hears you. The God of the universe who created DNA, who created the rainbow that I saw this morning, and you may have seen last night. The God who made that stuff hears the things that you care about. Psalm 55, verse 16 to 17 says this, But I call to the Lord, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon, I utter my complaint and I, complaint and I moan, and He hears my voice. God hears us even when we're not happy. God hears us, Christian. Psalm 116, 1 through 2. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he's turned his ear to me, therefore I call on him as long as I live. God hears you, Christian. If you are his child, 
He hears you even when you moan, complain, or ask Him things that are tough. God hears you. 1 Peter 3, verse 12 says this, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are what? Are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you want God to hear you, if you're not a Christian today, God is willing to hear you, provided you repent and believe in His sight. And that sounds like an easy statement, and it is, it is simple in that the answer is, is short. Repent and believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. But it is hard. And that it costs you everything of who you are. Like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus said, I've kept all the commandments. What does it take to get eternal life? Jesus said, but you love something more than me. And he walked away sad. He rejected the Lord Jesus. I encourage you, don't reject the Lord Jesus today. The Lord's face is against those who do evil. Do you want the Lord's face against you? The one who created heaven and earth, who has the power to save you or punish you for all eternity. And this is the confidence we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Look at verse 15. And we know that He hears us in whatever we ask. Wow, that's good. We know that God hears us whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Hey, Christian, God hears your prayers. And sometimes the temptation is, as a Christian, is when God doesn't answer our requests, to even turn our heads to heaven and say, God, are you hearing me? Any of y'all ever thought that? Maybe you've prayed for something for many years. And what you've asked God for, it hasn't happened. And your first response, one of your first responses, God, are you listening? I thought you cared about what I wanted. Why aren't you, you responding to my prayer? Have you ever been there? Let me encourage you in this. Just because... God doesn't do what you ask Him doesn't mean He doesn't love you. Quite the contrary. In fact, it might be because He loves you. He's not giving you what you're asking for. You may think, but what I'm asking for is something good. This is where faith has to come in and say, Lord, this is what I desire. I think this is good. But not my will. Yours be done. And this is, when we read this verse, you, you, some people can, can easily come to verse 15 and say, look, God hears us, and we know that we have the request that we've asked of Him. 
So therefore, anything that we ask of God, we get. Right? You can even watch people on TV or read lots of best-selling books that will tell you this. You just ask with enough what? Enough faith, and it will be given to you. And that is, that is one way of looking at it. I'll put it that way. However, you, you have to ignore the verse right before, don't you? Can, can I read verse, verse 14 again? Why, yes. Thank you. And Wayne, if you can just go back one verse for me. Because I say that's one way to look at it. But, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And this is where Christians look. I, I say this very in humility. Because I'm right there with the statement I will make. But I fear that 90 plus percent, 95 percent of people don't know how to pray. And, and I believe that we in America have been taught improperly how to pray. And I don't have every answer for you this morning because I'm, I'm still working through some of this stuff, y'all. But here's what I'm convinced. I, I am convinced that if we pray according to God's will, then He hears us. But Jesus said this in Mark chapter 11. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I read an excellent chapter this week on prayer by Arthur Pink. And he said... Prayer is an exercise of faith. Now, I do not believe that this verse is saying that whatever you want, pick what you want and believe it enough and God's going to do it. That just doesn't square with any of the rest of the verses on prayer. Now, you could take it out of context and leave it alone and you could make it say that. Yes, you can. But that's not our job as Christians, is it? If you take this passage and you say, well, he's not just saying anything. He's giving a specific example here, specifically here, the mountain he's talking about is Jerusalem, which is about to be in the next 40 years taken up and, and destroyed by the Romans. And so this is specific things he's saying. If you, and this is bewildering in their mind. What do you mean Jerusalem is going to be? Attacked and trampled underfoot by the Romans. I, I digress a bit. But the point is, as something as insane in our minds as our capital city being destroyed, if it's God's will, guess what? It's going 
to happen. And so when you square that now back with the verse, if you pray anything according to God's will, have the confidence that it's going to happen. Even the precious temple being trampled where one, not one stone is left upon another. God has a will. God has a will. And that, that word will sometimes gets confused. The word means desire or his pleasure. God has a pleasure. God has a plan. It is going to happen. And if we align our prayers with God's plan, we have confidence that it will happen. When our prayers align with God's will, they will be answered 100% of the time. So let me ask you again. Let me back up to a question I asked earlier. Have you ever been praying to God and God has not answered your prayer and you look up at Him and you think, are you listening? Is the problem that He's not listening? And, and that's where we as humans kind of get our, we get out of whack a little bit, don't we? And somehow we get to the place where we we think God should be doing what we want Him to do. Let me say that one more time, in a little different way. Somehow we get to the place where the God of the universe that created my soul and gives me every breath that comes into my lungs should do what I want Him to do. I'll say that again another way. The God who has been around for all eternity, who had the wisdom to create every single cell of my body and every single animal that's ever existed and fed them for thousands of years, should do what I want Him to do. Has that said it yet? And then we get offended when He doesn't. How arrogant am I? How arrogant am I? When the Son of God comes to earth and goes to the garden the night before his passion will start, and I can remember, Jeff, I remember you over there were waiting for the crowd to fill in on the passion play scene of the garden. And Jeff is there. He's praying. What were you praying, Jeff, while you're waiting for the crowd to come? Father, not my will. Yours be done. Father, not my will. Yours be done. And I come before God and say, God, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? The Son of God comes before His Father and says, Not my will, Father, yours be done. Not my will, Father, yours be done. So when I say that I believe that 90% of us or even higher don't know how to pray, I'm not being mean. I'm not being ugly or 
anything like that. I'm being honest. Do we come before God and say, Father, I really, really, really want your will to be done. God, humble me to be receptive to receive what you have planned and ordained that I might love those things even if it's not what I really want. That's what I mean when I say we don't really know how to pray. James, I think James felt the same way. James chapter 4 says this. You ask and do not receive. I can relate. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrong. To spend it on your passions, on your desires. That same word there. Your, your desire. Your wants. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be afraid, a friend of the world, makes himself an enemy of God. Mature Christians are made in the crucible of prayer time. Can I say that one more time? Mature Christians are made in the crucible of your prayer time. It is not in your time entertaining yourself. It's not in your time of, even your time of serving the church, which is a good thing and something we must and need to do. But the depth that is built in our prayer times when we are submitting ourselves then to God, that is where our Christian character is forged. Oh God, I humble myself before you and I richly desire that you save my family, my friends. Oh God, I richly desire that, but you, oh God, know more than me and even in eternal matters, God, I surrender myself to you and your holy and good and perfect will. Those prayers are so hard. When you love people, those prayers are so hard. But it puts us in our place. And 90% of us plus have failed to be put in our place in our prayer times. I, I do believe John chapter 14, verse 12 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Remember when Jesus came to raise Lazarus, he prayed, Oh, Father, may they glorify your name. May your name be glorified in this. When Jesus prayed in the upper room, Father, may your name be glorified in what I do. Right here, the prayers that you ask are to be bring glory to my name. Have you? I change the question. I have you. Are you humble enough to pray? Are you in a place where you are humble enough to pray? In our Sunday school class, we talked about, maybe you brought it up, the publican who came, the, the righteous man, and the tax collector came. And one of them was, thank you, O oh God, that I'm not like this person. Thank you, O oh God, I'm not like that. And one came and just beat his chest and said, God, forgive me. Forgive me, God. And, and Jesus said, one of those men went away justified. Because the, the heart of prayer, the heart of it, is God... May your will be done. I've heard pastors and even preachers and church members, other people say, we really shouldn't end our prayers with something like, but God, let your will be done. Because that means we're not believing enough in what we're asking for. It's, it's a cop out at the end to say, well, if it doesn't happen, then I'm, I'm good. And I think, oh. May every prayer begin with and end with, God, may your will be done. Because Jesus has promised, and, and he, it has to, if you believe that God is a God in heaven who has a will and a desire that if, if we conform ourselves to His will, then every prayer of ours is answered. Whatever we ask. And how do you get there? And that is my, my encouragement to you is it comes through that humility. Are you humble enough to pray? To pray? Something else, uh, Mr. Pink pointed out that I'd never, never thought of. Y'all remember when, when Jesus went to the temple and they were doing all the stuff in it, scene two, in our passion play? Flips tables. He's angry because they're doing business in the temple of God. Why are you doing these things? Probably quote. 
What did Jesus say that the temple was going to be called? The house of worship? The house of prayer. The house of prayer. Now, when you think of the temple in Bible times, what do you think of it as? A house of sacrifice? A house of animals? A house of the altar? A house where the Ark of the Covenant is. But Jesus said it's to be a house of prayer. Are your prayer times a, a time of sacrifice, a time of worship unto God? Because at the root of your prayers, it, it's not merely, God, give me this, give me that. It's not merely do this, do that. It is we come before God to worship Him in our prayers. How many Christians come before God and be, I remember Brother Bill, every time he came down this altar, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Holy, holy, worthy is the name of God. Worthy, holy. Y'all remember Brother Bill's prayers. Worship. Are your prayers filled with worship? When you communicate to God, we talk about these apps. When you communicate to God, is your communication praise to God? Do we know how to pray? It is written that my house should be called a house of, of prayer. So let me close a bit with a little bit of application. That, that fundamental idea of prayer is a time of worship. It is a time of aligning ourselves with God's will. Not trying to convince God to do something for us, but a time of of complying ourselves, conforming ourselves to God's desire and God's will and submitting ourselves to His sovereignty over those things. With that said, oh man, there's so much good stuff. This, this should be... Let me give you a quick few things out the door. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 18 of the persistent widow and a unrighteous judge. And he says this in Luke 18, verse 1. He told them a parable of the effect saying that they ought to always, ought always to pray and not lose heart. When Jesus was telling parables, some of his parables were that people ought to always pray and not lose heart. I believe some of the, one of the reasons why many people don't pray, they have lost heart. They think, well, God is not doing what I've asked Him to do. Why am I investing my time into praying? And that goes back to point number one. We're probably praying the wrong way. That's why. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. We ought to always to pray and do not lose heart because if we conform ourselves, humble ourselves to God, He's going to He's going to Accomplish his word. There's another one. Luke 21, verse 34 through 36. I'm at the very bottom lane. I'm sorry, I skipped it a ton. 
But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day comes suddenly upon you like a trap. For, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all of these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. That's Jesus warning people of judgment to come. And he says to them, pray that you'll stay aware, stay awake, stay sober-minded, alert, and that you'll have strength to endure what is coming. In other words, God is going to come and bring his judgment. Pray that you stand firm in those things. So how do we direct our prayers? If, if we want to know how to pray, Excuse me. I encourage you. Go in the Bible and look how Jesus taught us to pray throughout the Gospels. Look how Paul prays in his epistles. What James directs us in prayer. What Jude uh, gives us in prayer. Here's another one from Jude. It is these who cause divisions. Worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and Praying in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. Keeping, keep yourselves in the love of God. Not the love of the world, but in the love of God. Focus on the spiritual things, the things that will matter for eternity. I'll close with this. Last week, I shared with you the top ten prayer requests that we ask in our church. And I'll ask you. What are your top five prayer requests that you regularly pray to God for? And then ask yourself two questions. Will that matter a thousand years from now? And secondly, have you asked God to do what He pleases in that situation? Not my will, Lord, but let yours be done. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you, a holy God this morning, a God who has, from the foundation of the world, established your plan. A God who works all things according to the counsel of your will. A God who is wise, whose ways is above our ways, whose thoughts are above our thoughts. Lord, we come before a holy and a wise God, and we confess, we confess, O oh God, for arrogance and pride, expecting you to do the things of our whims and our delights. And we come before you, O God, saying, may your will be done. We know that you hear us. And we ask, O God, conform our minds to think according to your will being done and not to ours. May it be your pleasure that is done. And Lord, if it costs us, if it hurts us, 
If it, if it doesn't give us things that, that we so desire, let it be so. And may we affirm that with all of our heart. We pray, O oh God, may your will be done. And may you accomplish your purpose in us. Humble us, O oh God. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.